Hey, and welcome to PCTY Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson. During our time together, we'll stay close to the news and info you need to succeed as an HR pro. And together, we'll explore topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, and real life HR situations we face every day. Emily, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to sit down with me today. You're welcome, Sherry. I'm excited about this. So you have a really interesting role at Charm. Mm-hmm. You know, you, your title is Chief of Staff, Government Affairs, and Corporate Secretary for Charm. So you have a lot of hats in the Charm organization. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to start with what's your perspective on the current legislative landscape? And I know that's a big question, mm-hmm. but... From the work you do with Sherm for the HR space, what are the things that, you know, you're paying attention to? Ooh, okay. So, look, I'm always thinking about things from the perspective of the HR professional that has to comply with all of these great ideas our elected officials come up with at the state and at the federal level. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is people managers, we don't talk enough about their role. So, so first, let's start with the compliance and then the new laws. The biggest issue for me is that the federal government hasn't gotten a lot done. And so states uh, have run out of patience, and they're trying to solve those issues. But the problem is you're solving it at a state level. And if I'm a, uh, a multi-state organization... I now have to make sure I'm in compliance with what's going on in Colorado, what's going on in Virginia, what's going on in California, right? And that is creating much more work for our HR professionals. And it is creating work for our our people manager. Because imagine a people manager who's got someone in Colorado, someone in Washington, you got a team that's remote because it's remote work thing, right? Complicates things. And there are things that you could require in terms of their time in one state that you can't require in terms of their time in another state. this is one of the things that came up earlier this year in California was the, the prospect of this 32-hour work week where you work 40 hours. Well, no, you get paid for 40 hours, but you work 32 hours, right? And so, of course, everyone wanted us to say, oh, that's a great idea, right? So think about it. How do I explain that to my employees in Virginia if, I, if that had passed in California, right? How do I say you all are getting – you're working 40 hours, you're getting paid for 40 hours, but you can only talk to the staff in California 32 hours a week. So that means you got to base your schedule on their 32 hours and then the other eight hours of the week, they're doing whatever and they're getting paid for it. How do you explain that, right? As a people manager and as an HR professional, as a CEO, how do you talk about that? So, so those types of things are happening paid leave. Right. So how do you explain in one state your people? Well, you do explain it. The state legislature here has said that in this state, you know, paid leave is is a requirement. And in another state, it's not. And so how do you, you know, think about equitableness and and fairness across your organization? It's hard right now. And you got to, you know, put the blame a little bit. I'm putting a little bit on our federal government, our elected officials in Congress. But I'm also putting the blame on business, too. Because here's the thing, had we figured out a way to handle paid leave before the state legislature had to get involved, then we probably could have something that works for everybody. You know, we've been working for a long time at Sherm to try to figure out what a framework looks like that could be passed at the federal level that gives enough flexibility for a company, no matter what their size and no matter their industry. And we're still working on that. I think that could solve this problem. But while we're trying to work on that, the states are coming up with their own ideas. And you're seeing different states do different things. 
things. And so we actually, I said to my team this year, what if we tried to put and take the best of all the, what we're seeing at different states and make that a sample bill and then float that across the remaining states. So any state who has said, we want to take this up next year, we say, look, here is a bill that we think is a great sample for you. And it has all the things that would, um, that would be good for the, the work and the workplace. And we're trying to get other states to pass the same thing because that works for your economy. Because now you're going to have multi-state companies that are like, I don't want to go to this state now because they got a whole different rule on how we manage it. So state in, in intervention is the biggest thing that I worry about when I think about HR professionals. And, and because it ties into all the other issues that are important when we talk about that. The next one I think about is workforce development all the time. As a people manager, as a leader, as chief of staff, you know, upskilling and reskilling is so critical. And everything you hear right now about work is so negative. And it's disheartening to me because I've had such great experiences as, at work personally. And I want that for other people. And I don't kind of I don't understand why it's not like that for other people. You know, so you're sitting here trying to be empathetic. You're trying to understand what the deal is. And then you think about people's careers and what are they investing in their careers? And I give this talk about are you investing in you? And because for years I worked for the state. So, you know, you work for the state. The state does not have money to send you to all. They're going to send you where they need to send you bare minimum with the budget, with the legislature has approved for the budget. Right. So I made a decision very early in my career that I would set aside my personal money to get trained in whatever it is I had an interest in. And I think we employees have to kind of own their skilling. Your employer definitely has a, a interest and a vested interest in you being upskilled and reskilled. But why don't you just decide what it is you want to be trained in and do it yourself? And we saw that for years, people who went to night school. But, you know, you hear all these stories in the 70s, 80s. Oh, this person went to night school to better themselves. They did that on their own. Employer wasn't paying for that. And, and I'm someone who worked my way through law school at night. I worked full time during the day as an EA. And at night I was in law school, right? And actually kept that a secret for, I, I got almost to the end of the road before somebody found out I was actually doing that, right? And so I just think it's really important that we talk about upskilling and reskilling and the fact that it takes both the employer and the employee to address the issues we're going to see. I talk about, you go into Chopped, which is one of my favorite salad places, and they put a brand new one in Boston right across from where we stay. So I was so excited you walk in. There are four terminals. You don't see a person at first. Then you look beyond, and the people who are making your salads. So that's the only people who are in there are the salad makers. You go on that screen and you tap them in. So that means that I don't have a cashier. But what I do have is somebody who has to maintain those machines now. So that's what I'm thinking about the jobs of the future. Like I want people to walk in the store and say, okay, yes, there's no, this job isn't there anymore, but there has to be a job that replaced it because of what the new thing is. And I want someone to get that idea and say, okay, maybe I can't be a cashier now, but maybe I can be the person that fixes this machine, that maintains it, that enters in all the material. I just think we all have to want something else for ourselves and not be 100% dependent on the employer to do it for you. Because remember, you take that knowledge with you wherever you go. So that's what—that's just a little bit of what's on my mind. <laughs> I didn't even get to people managers right now. We treat people in empathy and all that other stuff, but I'm sure we'll get to that. Just a couple of things. It was just a couple of things that you're thinking about. <laughs> yeah. um, so two things before I ask you the next question. Mm -hmm. If you're listening and you didn't know that SHRM has a multi-state comparison tool, it's a great resource. So you definitely should jump on the website and look at that. And I'll include the link in the show notes for, for those that are interested in using that tool. It has saved me many times in my HR career being able to tap into that. Um, and when it comes 
comes to upskilling, you know, I, I've seen this a couple of times and I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I'm fascinated about how technology is changing our workforce. And one of the things I keep talking about is, um, if you've seen it, so McDonald's now will hire remote employees to virtually take orders. So you can come up to the drive-thru and it's somebody sitting at their home taking your order virtually, and that that gets fed to the restaurant. And I'm fascinated by the innovation that McDonald's has thought of as to how can we take this role that we've said is required to be on site and has thought differently about it. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Because, okay, a happy meal will make me happy. I'm that person. So, like, I'm shocked. I didn't know they were doing that. Yeah. This also makes me a little sad. You know, there was a time when McDonald's, you knew where people were in their life, right? You knew if you went in the morning time, you're going to see that person that's kind of 65 or older, yep. older who retired but wanted to be able to do something, right? Yep. And you knew in the afternoon, you're going to run into your classmates with the bad acne that because they said the oil in McDonald's <laughs> was bad for your face, right? So you knew it was going to be these kind of teenagers and young college people there, right? And it's just changed. And you also knew that those people who were there in the afternoon had the opportunity to go to like Mickey D College, right? Yeah, hamburger U. Hamburger U. Yep. And so you... Everyone knew that there was there was a path for them, and then something changed. I don't know what it was, and and so now that's gone. And now that you may not see anybody when you go up to the drive-through, it's just like wow, it's different. That is so different. Ooh. It is. It's different. Um, you know, they did something a couple of years ago, and not to get off on a McDonald's tangent, <laughs> but um, they did. I think this was 2019. I was talking about this. Um, so pre-pandemic, they were doing where you could apply to a McDonald's role via Amazon Alexa. You could just talk to Alexa and put your application in for McDonald's. So just just an organization that's really thinking differently about, you know, how they manage a remote or a hybrid workforce. So I wow. find it fascinating. I follow their CEO on Instagram. I found him very interesting because, you know, the whole thing with how he got to that job. Yeah. So that's interesting um, that he's really moved in that direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you, you know, we talked about compliance and state by state, you know, I think that's something that's difficult for HR professionals and, and really CHROs right now. I, I have a lot of compassion for them is is managing and staying ahead of all this legislation that comes out. Mm-hmm. You know, like when Colorado said, hey, you got to post, you know, the, the salary information. Well, if you're a multi-state organization, now you are thinking about your your equity and how you're going to post. You know, are you going to post it in every state? Is it the same for every state? All that different stuff, you know, and then. Roe v. Wade came out, Mm -hmm. you know, and some organizations added new benefits, some just stated benefits, some went a different direction, but that all really fell on the hands of HR and employment lawyers, Mm -hmm. let's be honest, to figure that out. You know, how do we stay abreast of all this stuff and in a way where we're serving our businesses, but also just being really compassionate with where our employees are at? You got to know your people. So I start this conversation always talking about culture. People think, I think some people laugh at us now. We're saying you got to lead with culture. But if you know your culture and if you know your people, you'll know whether an issue is important to them and you'll get ahead of those issues. So if you're an organization where 70% of your people in your organization are past childbearing age, this, you know, is not really that much of an issue for you, right? What do you do? You do a check of what your healthcare, what you provide in your current healthcare benefits. You know, you kind of do a temperature check and see if there's anyone who lately has, you know, intimated that they're trying to, you know, to, to have a child. Or you just look at it from, and then you look at it holistically. So don't look at it just at the point of what Dobbs deals with. You look at the whole reproductive spectrum 
and you say, what are other needs that we may have? And so I think, but you have to know your people and the organization's culture. If you're in small town Tennessee and there's a church on every corner and you know you're going to see, you see your staff in that church and, and they're very open about what their beliefs are, you know who your people are, then you know how far you can go in terms of announcing what you're doing because you may decide that you do want to proactively do some things like add money to the HSA or do the travel benefit, right? You can quietly do that without announcing it. And that those people might appreciate it more than you going out and doing a big front page article about announcing that our country, our company is going to do this. And what made me a little, uh, you know, un unhappy about how this whole thing unfolded in terms of what companies were doing. A very large company who, you know, people are dependent on, got thousands of employees in multiple states and things like that, they can go out and make these huge splash announcements, right? My small company, 25 and under, that is just very happy that they've gotten back to pre-pandemic levels in terms of their income. Where does that leave them in terms of retaining their talent when you got to compete with these splash announcements from these large companies, right? And so it's so important that you know those 25 employees and what's important to them and you communicate. So, you know, that's when you have, we call, we have our little CEO updates. We have Star Coffee's quarterly, but every once and again, our CEO will say, I want to kind of update you all on what's going on in the world and how it's impacting our organization. That's when you really have that heart to heart with them and say, here, I, this is what we make. This is what I can afford to put toward the benefits. So what is it that you all care the most about? Is it that you want me to do um, pay student loans? Right. Do you want me to give you the 5250 a year back um, to cover cover student loans or other ways or tuition reimbursement? What are those things? Right. What is important to your people? And then you provide it. If you lead and you start there. And I know that people have to worry about what's important to your customer. But let me tell you, ultimately, your people are the reason that you retain your customers. And if they're happy and satisfied, you start with them. So, you know, everybody says everything starts at home. Start at home. And don't think you have to do something because someone else is doing it. Do what's best for your people. Culture is so important. It is. There's so much that's wrapped into culture and just authenticity of culture. You know, there's that hey, what we think culture is and what your actual culture is. Oh, yeah. um, so I really I appreciate that you, you started with, you know, get to know your people because you're right. In those examples you gave, it, your answer to, you know, the Dobbs thing could be very different. It could. And it's so much pressure. I feel so bad. And, and they probably, they're middle and small size business probably like, don't feel bad for me, Emily. But I do, <laughs> I feel, because I'm like, look, if I got to compare and I'm competing for talent here and I'm in the same town with this, with company A and they're out here saying, we're going to do this, this, and that. I can't pay for that marketing. Yeah. No one's paying attention to me. So that's why it's going to be so important that you kind of personalize as much as you can that experience for your employees and find out what's important to them. As you've, you know, worked with different organizations and, you know, you've spent some time in, in the political space, <laughs> um, you know, how do we as HR professionals um, support employees without stepping into that political debate on, you know, benefits or practices that we have? Again, it goes back to your culture, right? What works for the culture? Here's what we can afford. Here's what we do for you currently. Where are the gaps? Right. And it's not about the politics of who's going to support, who isn't going to support. Right. If I've got a workplace and 70 percent of the people are childbearing age. Right. 
First of all, have this discussion with all of the employees. Don't just think you're going to call the women employees together and say, what do you think about reproductive health? Hey, we don't get there without a guy half the time, right? So if you think about it, I want everyone in the organization because this even goes back to things like um, paternity leave. Right. And so as part of that whole reproductive circle, I can be saying I maybe I want to put more funds into X for to cover travel costs related to uh, termination of pregnancies. Right. But I may say, but my men are saying, well, for those of us who are about to be dads, I need to be able to help my spouse and be there for them. And so can you add paternity leave as an option? And maybe you just make it, you know, paid leave for a child. Right. For those maybe you don't have leave for people who adopt children. So here's an opportunity to kind of be more holistic with little cost, if you think about it, right? Because if you already had some form of leave and you're just incorporating it and enumerating those things that will be important to your workforce. So just doing the whole circle, this is the best opportunity for you to say, you know, that whole reproductive circle we know is important to all of you, men, women, um, and, and anyone else in the workplace where it's important to them and let's kind of deal with it there. I think that's the type of thing that we've got to do. And you're staying out of the political. Now, look, I know there are some people, think about it, if you're an entrepreneur, this is your company that you founded, you want to say what you want to say because you're the one that made the sacrifices so that you can build this business and that makes sense. Again, I say to employees, you have a choice. Yeah. You don't have to stay there. Right. The good thing about what's going on now, before we kind of go deep into this recession, everybody's keep talking about, right, that there is a war for talent. And so at some point, if you feel that that doesn't align with the business uh, goals and, and what the business talks about, don't align with your personal perspective. The great thing is you don't have to stay and you can find a place that aligns better with you. And I think do that. We don't, I don't know why we think that's bad to say, because even when you have an employer who says, you know, you all, if you, if this doesn't work for you, it's okay. People don't trust that. And I know yeah. people can be retaliatory at some point, but you know, believe in you. This again goes back to my thing about upskilling and reskilling. When you own that process of how you learn new things and you're not dependent on someone else, when you're earning it on your own, you're like, look, I can roll, I can roll out of here and I can go do something else in a place that's going to be good for me. There's so much opportunity out there right now. You know, when you talk about the war for talent from the employer perspective, but as an employee, as a worker, man, the sky's really the limit. You can you can do so much now, and especially with side hustles and gig economy and all that stuff, which that could be a whole nother podcast. That's a whole other issue right there. <laughs> I, what, what are they talking about? These people who got like the moonlighters? That's yes. the new thing, right? So yep. I'm like, I don't know how you doing three jobs when I got one that keeps me going from sunup to sundown, but that's a whole other story. That's right. <laughs> so as I wrap up my discussion with you, um, you know, what's one thing in the Sherm space in your role that you're most excited about or research that you're doing or just as you look forward in this landscape, what, what gets you excited? So let me tell you, um, Sherm turns 75 next year. I don't think you wow. know that. Yeah. So we are doing a whole lot. Like we're, we're, we're pulling history and we're learning things. But the story I tell when I go and do my um, Washington updates at Chapters is Sherm was founded in Berea, Ohio. So we ended up here in, in, the, in the Alexandria area in 1984 because HR professionals, and at that point they were called the personnel, yep. got tired of, of not having a seat at the table as it related to federal issues about the workforce. So these huge pieces of labor legislation were being passed and no one was asking the personnel man about it. 
So they said, you know what? We're going to pull up stakes and we're going to drive and we're going to find some place and we're going to be near D.C. So that's how we ended up in Alexandria. And then five years later, the name changes in 1989 to SHRM, Society for Human Resource Management. And so I think there are so many things we can learn about our journey over the last 75 years. And I'm most excited about what we can do in the next 25 years leading to Centennial. So next year is going to be a year of reflection and discovery about for so many people who've just been sure members and not realize all the great things we've done over 75 years to really influence the world of work. And then it's a time for us to be really proactive and think, how can we change lives so that 25 years from now, someone said, can say in a century, in one century, SHRM has done this thing. HR professionals have done this thing and we are changing lives every day. So that's what I'm most looking forward to. How exciting. I'm getting goosebumps listening to you talk. I'm excited oh. too. So um, every time I get a chance to talk to, you know, some SHRM leadership, I walk away with just being invigorated in the profession that I'm in and excited that that I work where I work and what I do. So thanks for taking a few minutes of your day to chat with me. Oh my gosh, it's an honor. It's always an honor to talk about what we're doing. I got to give a shout out to our ultimate leader who's not here with us, Johnny C. Taylor Jr., because you got to have a leader that empowers all of us to, to do what we need to do every day. And that's why we're so excited. He's excited. He talked about the 75th anniversary one more time, right? But it's, but it's on my mind because he knows that we've made such an impact and that there's even more we can do. Absolutely. Thanks again. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Paylocity, a leading HCM provider that frees you from the tasks of today so you can focus more on the promise of tomorrow. If you'd like to submit a topic or appear as a guest on a future episode, email us at pctytalks at paylocity.com.